0: Tuning in. I am that nerd dad Joe Williamson and this is that nerd dad podcast we have a guest today fellow crier media member Joel McLeod of the 905er podcast is here you're not going to believe it but he's going to talk about the 905 <laughs> for those of you who may be listening uh, around the world because I do have some American and international listeners the 905 area code represents the area code kind of around the 416 so there's Toronto and then there's kind of all the other stuff all the other cities and uh, it's a specialized localized podcast but what makes it successful easy for me to say is uh, Joel and his team they work their asses off they get good guests it's a good show You're going to like this conversation because it's hosted by me and I'm awesome. Um, If you believe that, be sure to hit subscribe, follow, do all of the things. Now, here's Joel. My guest is Joel McLeod of the 905er. Wow, screwed that up right off the top. (laughs) 905er podcast. How are you, buddy?
1: Doing well, doing well. How are you?
0: Very well. Uh, You just got back from a little trip. We wanted to do this a couple weeks ago. You were away. Uh, You are a member of Cryer Media, so that's kind of our interaction. Um, Start off with a nice, easy one. Uh, Do
1: you bick your head? Because that's... That's smooth man uh I do, but I don't use bic uh i i uh I use a safety razor uh, I don't
0: know what that is what's a safety razor?
1: A safety razor is a uh, um it's like it's how your dad used to do it. you get it's just like a single razor blade okay and you, get, you put it into a uh, into a uh like a well a razor and then yep. uh lather it up and you just go over. I do. I do one. I do one one pass going with the uh, with the hair, then I do another one going against it to take any leftovers.
0: And how often do you do that? As a bald man, I'm curious.
1: I do it about two, at least twice a week. I try to st- sneak in a third one uh, if I feel up for it. But I, I started doing it during COVID. COVID was. Uh, I I did. Um, I was like, oh, I I got my my hair is thinning out, and I was like, okay, do I just keep using the uh, the clippers and get it down to the as far as I could go. I thought, no, let's just let's take a one one inch a little bit further. So I I there's a company called um Henson Shaving. Mm-hmm. They're Cana- they're Canadian brand out of uh Kitchener Waterloo. Uh and I how I do things I, I research the heck out of stuff. So I was fa- I found them online I was like this seems good. It was like fifty bucks for the blade and then you get like a 20 bucks for like a box of uh, razor blades and they they show you how to do it. And you just, t- first time it was like really practice, it was a lot of practice and error, but I was amazed at how close I, it was the closest shape I've ever had. And I I was the doing the Mach 3 stuff. And I said, that Mach 3 was, I, I did the math. It was like the Mach 3 was gonna cost me like so much money. I'll, I'll put it this way. I started at the beginning of COVID. COVID happens, we all shut down, we're all in our homes. I ordered I ordered a box online. It's like 50, 70 bucks. I have not had to refill my razor blade since. I mean, that's a commercial. It is. <laughs> and that's like, it, it I got it. It's a st- aluminum metal razor blade and it's really easy to use. You just put in, like one little, like, that's like, like your dad's, uh, your, your grandpa's old razor blade. Yeah. Yeah. You stick, you stick that in, screw it in and it's good for, you know, a couple weeks. And then when That's you're crazy. done, when it's blood, when it's, sorry, when, it, when blood does appear, but when it's uh, a <laughs> uh, dull, throw it out. It's all good.
0: I, uh, terrified of doing, bicking it or straight. I, I it. was the
1: same way. I was the same way. And I said, I, I it was like, it was close. So you was like, can
0: say fuck it on this show. You can say
1: it, right. I, I said, fuck it. If I hack up my head, I just won't leave the house. Nobody's going to know, but it. The only time I I really hack up my head is if the blade is dull and I just, and I've learned since, like, if I think it's dull, it's dull, change it. It doesn't, it, I still have plenty of razor blades. I have not, it's not
0: worth taking the chance.
1: It's, it's not good. Like you, I, you kind of, you, once you get used to it, it's a practice trial and error. Like the first couple of times, it might take you a long time to do it. But now time, nowadays, it takes me like 15, 20 minutes to do the whole thing. And I got a whole routine to it, but
0: you're listening to bald-headed aficionado my <laughs> guest today Joel McLeod. <laughs> Joel uh the 905 okay so you're you are I'll let you describe it but what I if someone were to say to me hey uh, that podcast you were talking to the other day how would you describe it I describe it as kind of a 905 um, centric political podcast is that
1: I I kind of in- newsy but political. I say it's a podcast about Canada's most important region.
0: Wow. Take that 416.
1: Well, I see that's the thing. We so my my co-host Roland and I again during COVID, we were talking. Initially it was supposed to be a a news magazine kind of website, you know, like lots of articles and stuff and um, that just became too hard to do. So we said, let's try this new um, let's try this new new podcast thing. And we did that and it, it was gangbusters. And we just said, well, no, we can go and talk about the issues that we think are most important because the 905 was always this region around Toronto that they all say, the media says, oh, it, it's there, but nobody really talks about, it. and it's just, but at election time, whether it's provincially or federally, every analyst says the 905 is so important. The 905 can make or break the government. And there's the number of head companies, headquartered in here, the number of the, the population that we have here, the diverse ethnicities that we have living here. We said, why is this not, why is it not like a 905 centric beat of any Canadian media why do we, why are we only talked about during, uh, election time? I said, we need to change that. So we, we, you know, using the, the minor. Piece, you know, resources that we had, we said, let's try this podcasting thing. And we did it and we've been working on it ever, ever since.
0: How long has it been going on for?
1: Uh, well, since COVID. So it's like 2020. Uh, okay. So
0: you and I have had a similar kind of a uh, trajectory when it came mm-hmm. to podcasting. I started mine during COVID as well. Um, and you had a guest, uh, Matt Cundhill on the network. I think yes. yesterday it was yesterday's episode. I watched it earlier today. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Matt talks a lot about on his show and uh he's kind of a podcasting guru talks a lot about pod fading people who kind of just hey i'm gonna start a podcast and then six months later that's it you never hear from them again and they just kind of sit there out and but you and i have both been hacking away at this now for three years um Mm -hmm. what has prevented pod fading for you and your and your co-host
1: um well the i say first and foremost the two of us are very much uh news and politics junkies, uh, if you will. So that kind of fuels our our fire. I I think I, I I hear, I've heard that not that phrase, but I've heard that. That's that symptom of people who say, I want to start a podcast they start, they dive in, they start doing it. And then I think the problem is twofold. One, the topic that they have is either too niche or too broad. That it's hard to kind of focus on just say too broad, too niche, that it's really hard to focus. Like, well, what's the next episode going to be about? Who, who do we talk about? Or what do we talk about in the next episode that we haven't already done that before, which kind of leads to fatigue and just boredom. And you just stop, stop doing it. It shouldn't
0: feel like work. Like, I think if you're going to be, if you're going to be in this kind of space, it can't feel like work. The second it feels like work, you're not going to do it.
1: That's true. Like we, we've done. We've had times where we're just like, what are, what are we talking about next week? Like, what's the next story that we, we want to cover? Sometimes it's really easy. Sometimes you kind of look at the headlines. You're like, this is, there's a theme happening here. or you hear something that you're like, no, I really want to talk about. That seems important. Other times you're like, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm drawing a blank this week. And you kind of scour, scour a bit, but you still have that. It's, it's kind of like, I have a passion. I want to do, I want to talk and I want to, to debate and have those, have those discussions. so that works well for this this medium um i I think the other problem people have about you know, just kind of not having that oomph is you you kind of you do have to have a a gift for gab um you you got to be able to talk and you got to be able to just have that have those conversations and finding people that you can have good conversations with you know people who who are going to Give, give give as much as you can get uh, I guess is the the best way to, to put it.
0: So uh, to that end, yeah the idea of the conversation, the mm-hmm. talkers. Um, you do have a lot of kind of local politicians on your show mm-hmm. I know that you go into these conversations thinking, we're gonna try and get to the bottom of whatever. How difficult is it? When they stay so on message, and how does it ever become frustrating? Like trying to get them to either loosen up or break their talking points.
1: Sometimes we let them just go with the talking points because that that in itself is damn it. Like we we Roland, I have have, had this. It's not a written rule, but it's a it's an agreed to rule, and we've talked about many times. Is We'd rather have a politician on last when when we'd rather talk about the issue and to do that we'll we'll rather have a, a, an expert on. The times we have had politicians on, it's because of either a policy that they're trying to unfold, they're trying to unveil, they're trying to bring forward, and we're like, no, you need to be answer questions for that. Um, and that's the time that we have them on. Like right right now, recently, like <clears throat> just before I came on here, I was doing a. recorded an episode we're trying to do a series on the ontario liberal party leadership contenders to see just what direction that party will will take Uh, is it going to come back or is it going to go the way the dinosaur we don't know but we thought we want to talk to the people who are trying to save it and see what happens, happens with that. So some of that is just letting people talk and sometimes they might hang themselves with their own words and they're like, I'm not here to save you. I'm not, I'm not here to protect you. If you can't answer a straight question, there are times when we've had, we've pushed back and said, no, like you're, you're, it's not that you're giving me the, the wrong answer. It's just, I I can smell the, the bullshit. I can smell like you're, you're, you're skirting around the answer. But like, no, can you come back and answer it? They still don't answer it. I say, fine. That's. That's it. That's your answer. And that in itself is telling to the listener. The, li- the first one was like, the listener, isn't an idiot. The listener doesn't need to be spoon fed. You know, this is the, the answer to the question. If I can smell bullshit in an answer, so can the listener. And that's what I think politicians of all stripes should be aware of. It's like, people are not stupid. If you're not willing to give this like a straight answer, people will will know about it. They will call you out on it. And that's part of the reason why we don't really like to have politicians on. We do, we'd rather, I'd rather talk with somebody who is an expert. Somebody who has like a PhD in a topic or who, who has spent their career studying or advocating for an issue or a topic uh, to say like, why, why should we give a crap about X, Y, and Z?
0: Is there anything currently because like, okay, so you mentioned the, the Liberal Party mm-hmm. and whether or not it, it's gonna go the way of the dinosaur. I can't help but draw a comparison to what's going on in the Canadian climate between the political climate and the way news is presented to us. And I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on Bill C eighty six for a second here. Mm-hmm. The idea that the old way of doing things is the only way of doing things. Mm -hmm. The Canadian political landscape has very much taken on a life of the U S version where it's, it's right versus left right versus wrong. That's it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Is it time for another party, another way of doing things to be considered because the liberal party, especially in Ontario, while I think it might have the votes, they're not, we're not motivated voters.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to talk about the, the party angle. Cause I think parties are, parties are, are products of a number of different things. They're, 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 products of the, the people that make them up. They're products of the, the population surrounding them. They're top products of the topics of the day, the issues of the day. So that, you know, they, they will always be there and they'll always adapt to how I guess the zeitgeist of the, of the time. So that they'll, they'll always be with us, whether you like it or not. But what I would go talk to is the, 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 the fact that the the current media landscape, I think, I I think there's too much of a rush to get, I get it first rather than get it right. And that's really hurt the discourse because. I'm 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 going to put guess an an analogy analogy that I, I've had in my head for the last little bit. That right now, in the current system, everybody's talking about possible foreign interference by China into our elections, which is a very serious topic, and that should be something that we should all, as Canadians, regardless of your political stripes, be concerned about. <clears throat> and we found out about this because of a journalist who, for Global News, broke this allegedly broke the story. And it became a big talking point. Now, I compare that to like Watergate back when when Nixon was in the 70s, he was in power. And we learned about that because of journalism. Woodward and Bernstein, they broke the story and they but they didn't let it go. Right? Like they they broke the story and they kept breaking it. They kept working on it for years and until the entire messy details came to the surface. It took them a while. I look at the, I bring that analogy to today. Cause I say, where's that relentless, relentlessness of getting to the bottom of this. This is a serious, this is a serious topic that we should be all concerned about and instead of you know constantly let's produce more stories. Let's go talk to people. Let's get more details about what's going on here. I find we're stuck with, it just ended with, oh, Trudeau doesn't want to call a public inquiry. And therefore, now, see, he's just a horrible prime minister because he doesn't mm-hmm. want to call a public inquiry. Maybe, but does that mean the story's dead? Does that mean like you just stop <laughs> looking for the answer? That's it.
0: Good night, like,
1: folks. Like it's like, well, you know, like does? Cause, and then the, the reporter in question, Sam Cooper, he he I don't know, quits or leaves his position with Global News to because he says I've had it with Global News, I'm going to form a Substack like, no, like Woodward and Bernstein didn't leave the Washington Post to say, I'm going to form a newsletter because, you know, that's where the, you know, that's where the real journalism is and I'm going to start up a newsletter on my own. No, like if, if you're on a story here, global says, like, no man, like here's, here's the money, go find that story.
0: I was going to say, you're talking about journalistic integrity. I think, uh, he sees an opportunity to make some money.
1: May, maybe that's the case. Maybe, maybe so. And, you know, maybe I'll like say all the power to him, but as the guy who's wanting to know what's the next part of the story, what's next? Who, who said what to whom and what, who knew what I don't have that. And instead the, the, the in the Canadian, if you you know, go up towards to like the 30,000 foot view of the, of the landscape. Now everybody's talking about, oh, Trudeau didn't call a public inquiry. I'm like that's not the story. The story isn't the inquiry. Because inquiries don't solve anything. Like, look at the last inquiry we had, which was on the Emergency Act up in Ottawa, whether or not it was, and that was by law, we had to have that. We had the inquiry, and what, did we all cooperate? Okay, we all agree that it was necessary to call it. No, there are people who are, who are convoy supporters who say it was all a sham, it was a farce, everybody's bought out by Trudeau, we shouldn't take it. You know, nobody should listen to it. And the rest of us who are like, well, okay, we we always thought it was kind of necessary. And yeah, it confirmed our our our, susp- our suspicions. We're not. We we don't have a uniform agreement on what happened there.
0: What happened to truth? Because that the idea of truth has become subjective.
1: It it has, and I I I mean, that's 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 the tough one. I I think truth comes with credibility, and the truth is you you know. The idea of journalism in my mind was that you have, and it's a tricky word these days, but you have facts. You have, you have, <laughs> you, you just you're like, you, you so have, tr- <laughs> <laughs> but you, ha- you have, you do facts? Well, now, now it's facts. Facts. But there was a time we say, well, no, we've got the documents in our, you know, we've got the documents in this case be like, you know, the phone records where we have the, the, the memo trail. Of you know how how this decision came to be, and now we've got we've caught party X red-handed with with their hand in the cookie jar. Would you like a comment, Minister? Would you like a comment, President, Mr. President? And we don't have that anymore. I don't know. I think part of the problem is there are I think there are bad faith actors in, and I'm not going to name names, but there are organizations that they do come to the table with a clear agenda of. We don't want to talk about the truth. We don't want to talk about the facts. We want to present an argument to promote Content one Content is sa-
0: king, man. Content is king. The narrative. What well, it is it, it, It's the narrative sells. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble.
1: That's kind of, I mean, you kind of bring the conversation back to 360 degrees. It's one of the reasons why we wanted to do this podcast. Why I wanted to enter into this all together is that roll and I, when we were saying, that, we were just like, we were talking like we, I don't feel like I'm getting the full story of what's happening in my neighborhood. I'm not, you know, there, there are issues that are not being talked about. And when we open up the Toronto star or the national post or the global mail, we were not, we didn't feel we were getting the full story or the full, the nuance of, of the topic. And when it comes to being an informed citizen in a democracy, we just, we weren't getting all the information we needed to participate fully. So we said, maybe naively, maybe a bit arrogantly, but we said, screw it. We're going to do it ourselves. We're going to invite the people who know the, the information on this, on these topics, and we're going to ask them the questions that we aren't getting the answers to and. It's kind of been the ethos of, of the 905 since day one.
0: Has that been a challenge? And when I mean when I say has that been a challenge, I mean going into a conversation where you know you're going to maybe ask a question that might have an uncomfortable answer. Is it in your personality to make someone uncomfortable? Make them sweat. Not that you're grilling no. your guests, but no. It, it, does that go into your thought process when you're like, Hey, we're going to hit this person with this question. And no. I'm curious, do you ever give a little, uh, a little, a little heads up to the guest beforehand when you're in the green room?
1: No, um, no, no, to both those questions. We, we say th- we take it uh, seriously that if a question needs to be asked, I like, go I might have a conversation beforehand to say, okay, if we're going to have this guest on and it's going to be about a certain topic, We'll talk it over and say, okay, what are the questions that we want uh, asked? And we'll, we'll create like a Google doc and we'll edit or we'll, we'll put down a list of questions and our, our topics that we want to talk about. And we've had discussions like, do we want to ask that question? And a lot of the time we'd say, yeah, cause the answer, the answer is important. And if it offends them, it offends them. But I still think the question needs to be asked. Um, I can say for a fact, whenever we've had a guest on, no one has been given a question beforehand we've we've let them know this is the topic that we're going to be discussing on this episode this is why we want you on and we did we don't make a point to try and uh try and got you got any gotcha questions. no or, gotcha you know. moments no we, we say like this is the topic that we're having on this is what we're going to talk about just so you know okay great but no we've never we've never we've had we've had guests um I think of a. I'm not going to name names, but we've had a guest refuse to come on the episode because we didn't give them a list of questions beforehand. They said, "No, we're just not going to do that. That's not that's not who we are." <laughs> um, but there, and I, on but on your note, like you know, asking a tough question. I one of the very we learned this the hard not really the hard way, but through kind of practical experience. One of the first episodes that we did was way way back back when COVID was happening here in the 905 in the Halton region. The Halton Chief of Police was caught, he, he was caught having left the country to go uh, fly into Florida or, or someplace to check on a, on a property that he owned down there. And it caused a big stink. He was brought forward. He had to be brought in front of the, the police board and whatnot. And at that time, the chair of the police board, who is the mayor Rob Burton, he, re, he, the mayor resigned as the chair of the police board. It's this big scandal and people like, oh my God, he's going to lose his job. And it came about, no. He didn't lose his job, and he went right back to, to work the next day. And there was a lot of people, and I'll be honest, myself included, was just like, "What the fuck? Like, in, in what world does that does that happen?" And so we said, we reached out to the police board. We said, "Who wants to come on and talk about this? We're gonna give a, we'll give you a half hour." And to give him credit, the vice chair, who's now I guess de facto chair, came on to talk with us, and we were fully like, expl- we were like, you know. How do you get off? Why, why does the, the, the chair resign, but the police, uh, the police chief does it. We were like, we were like, bit, I was a uh, part of me was uh, angry just as a taxpayer. Yeah. And in the course of this discussion, my opinion on the matter completely changed because it brought out, it wasn't that the argument was persuasive enough. It was just, they brought out new facts that I did not have before. And it changed my opinion. And it basically came down to the fact that they said the police chief was a contracted employee, basically of the region, and they didn't put in the contract in the case of a global pandemic where international travel is restricted, this is what you can and cannot do. And they said, they, they talked to them. We just don't think we have really a legal ground underneath labor laws to fire them. Like there's. There's nothing in the contract that 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 describes the situation. I said, "Yeah, I never thought about that." And they said, "The problem now is he's the chief of police. Well, this was a few years ago. Now he's got to rebuild credibility and whatnot." that was the court of public opinion. The court of he's now in the court of public opinion. But it did change my opinion of, of the of the matter of okay, this isn't a matter of some guy getting a cushy six-figure a year job, and it's all about nepotism and, and grift, there are actual legal things here that I wasn't aware of beforehand. I am aware of them now and it did change my opinion on the matter. And then within that half an hour, uh, if it within a half hour of that, that episode of that discussion, I was like, my opinion changed 180 degrees of the situation.
0: COVID scandal seems so cute now in retrospect, don't they?
1: <laughs> like it, it, it was, it was a lightning, it was an enlightening time of people and it made me think that all the, uh, the, the end of the world movies that we were brought up to on, on watching. I'm like, well, that would just turn out to be all bunk.
0: <laughs> oh, we're, we're in the middle of something uh, between uh, COVID and the environment boiling. We're in the middle of something. Um, yes. Is there a dream guest? Is there a dream? What's the 905 or dream guest? What's the one oh. where you're like, hey, we send this guy an email once a week and now he's blocked
1: us. Or them Doug or Ford, James. Doug Ford. I, I, I would have him, I would like to have him on because we've asked him on so many times and we never get a response back. And mostly because I, I it's not that I, I got you, It's just at this point, I just kind of want to talk to him. Cause like, you've never returned our emails. So I guess he
0: one of those numbers you just call and he answers it and says, you got a pothole out front may, maybe, but
1: I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the up and up and so I'm kind of like,
0: you're going, I, through I want, noble channels. I
1: want to go through the normal channels I don't, I don't want it to be like a, oh, there's a gotcha moment, but I'm kind of like, I, I, I have heard through the grapevine and through, um, kind of off the record sources that the, they are, this is an intentional thing. They do not go outside of their completely safe bubble of talking points. Like, if, if they think you don't, you are not going to be a safe place for them to go to have a discussion about whatever the issue of the day is, they will not go out, go out to you.
0: I think your association with Dean Blundell may have something to do with that. I'm just, I'm putting it out there.
1: No, this has gone on long before Dean approached us. prior. Like we've, we've been asking him during COVID. We're asking him almost like once a week to come on. That wasn't probably a little naive on our part, but we thought, yeah, ask, but like no conservative, no, we have not, we've only had one conservative party member, uh, come on to the podcast, uh, Stella Ambler. Uh, but, and that was about something not really related to any political issue of the day. What would you ask Doug for?
0: Let's say, let's say, let's say they go, okay. We're going to give you three questions. What would you ask Dougie? What,
1: what, what is his, where does his unwavering belief that private sector businesses will save our public institutions? Where does that come from? Um. Because I firmly believe that that's, that's how he thinks all of our issues in Ontario will be saved. That's right or wrong. I, I believe that's where he's coming from. Um, I want to know what, I'd like to know what was, his, what is his biggest regret in office and why? Ooh, I like that one. And at the end of his term in office, whenever that is, how in, I, I want to know what he, what his, he wants his legacy to be. And awesome. I, and I don't, and I don't want like, a, I want, you know, like a, I want a, a free and prosperous. no, no, I want to like, is he going to be proud that he built the four thirteen? Is he going to be proud that, um, you know, uh, they're, they're pri- you know, there's more private interest in healthcare. Is he going to be a new, is it going to be the fact that all of our kids are going to learn how to write cursive? Now, is that, is that going to be his legacy that he wants everybody to know? That. I hate that, by the way. I could care less about it, but I, I I just want to like, because that, that means that that's the making of a of a premier. Nobody gets in, nobody wants to become premier because they're just like, I just want to fix some things. No, you want to become premier because at the end of your term in office, whenever that is, four, five, 10, 15, 20 years, you want people to look back and say, I want to put a statue of joe williamson or joel mcleod or whatever on the legislature grounds and people can say that's the guy that did this <laughs> right
0: so with the with the dougie it would just be him like clear cutting trees it's like him with a chainsaw just
1: <laughs> uh no because i don't think he'd actually lift up the chainsaw but my my pointing I, to I, a guy <laughs> well i don't know but i i like I, I, wouldn't like, I, I, I give him credit. Cause I, I think like his, his turn of his, his come to Jesus moment regarding to electric vehicles is a good thing for this province. Now when I say his come to Jesus moment was if you remember when he was first, first elected after he turfed out Kathleen, Wynne, he canceled the green energy act. And in that act, there were points of a lot of the, the money generated from that act was going into giving regular Joe uh, or Joel. tax subsidy, or <laughs> Joel, uh, you know, Joe, Joe and Jane front porch, a tax subsidy to go buy an electric vehicle as well. Part of that money was going to put electric charging stations all over the province and he canceled that because he said, that's a stupid idea. We're not going to fund that anymore. And now, you know, something happened post COVID that he's had this come to Jesus moment and now he's all like, I'm about building EV cars and we're going to turn Ontario into the EV car manufacturer of the world. I am all for that Ed it's great. We've had Flavio Volpe on the podcast to talk about uh Project Aero and he's toted Doug Ford and and uh, Vic Fidelli's bona bonafides about this up the engine. And I I'm, I'm I am on board for that. Like Doug Ford, I'm your cheerleader when it comes to that topic. But I do want to know, like, why? Why now? Like, why? Why was? Why is it a good idea now? And why are we playing catch up now to build charging stations? Because that's the other thing is, if you look at that that issue, uh, I, I, there's a recent report that there, uh, the Globe Mail put, published it. Um, but like, there's a lot of unsold EV cars, and the reason why is, and I, you know, you ask anyone, would you buy an EV car? People say, I'd want one, I want one, but I don't trust. I'm not going to get stuck straight on the side of the 401 or the 403 when my, you know, cause I can't, I am stuck in can't the, do a
0: road I st- trip with the kids. I got three kids.
1: Well, that, that like to me, Well, I mean, I was, I just came back from vacation at Prince Edward Island and my concern was, can I drive an EV from the 905 where I live out to the 902? <laughs> yeah, And I believe I can, but I don't know for certain, and it's, it's Maybe that's a matter of we have to recondition our our, our thinking a bit on how to do it. But I think that's that's where government comes in saying, no, no, we're building up the infrastructure so that along that, the 401, to get from Windsor to Ottawa, or ideally Windsor to Quebec City. Yep. You can drive that without worrying about being stranded on the side of the road.
0: Stop off at a Timmy's, charge it, get a double-double and be on your way.
1: Well, that's the thing, and and I'll make sure that the the power infrastructure is there, so that when you plug into your supercharge port, and it says you're going to get you know 200 kilowatts an hour, whatever the 300 kilowatts an hour that it, the charge takes like half an hour, it takes half an hour, not while well, I'm stuck here for two hours waiting for it to charge up because oh the grid can't support that amount of energy pumping into all these cars. That's tomorrow's problem. No, it's today's problem <laughs> because that's that is the. Like, that's the thing you can cheer all you want about the apma the auto parts manufacturers association um wanting to build uh project arrow and that's a great thing it's a great thing for private in, for a private business to show this is what we can do hire us to do x y and z that's a great thing but that's not government's role in this i th- I, I think government's role is say okay private industry you're building the cars. great wonderful we're going to build the highways. We're going to build the rest stops. You no, know, those, those, those on routes on the, uh, in Ontario, that's not private industry. That's our tax dollars at work Those are owned by the public people. We rent out to Canadian tire gas and, and, uh, Tim Hortons and, and Subway and all the rest of them. They lease spots in there to set up shop. So that's right there. Like, why aren't you spending hundreds of millions of dollars to get this supercharging, charging hyper-connected grid so that when we do buy these electric car- cars that are coming, it doesn't take a painstakingly long time to charge. That's where government needs to come into play. And I, I don't, I, and, but that's hard work and that's where you gotta put, you gotta write a check for, for money to happen. And this government seems to be kind of timid on that. They're getting like, oh, to give you a tax credit, but to actually write money and say, no, government is building this. I find they're very timid on it. Uh, unless there's like a direct, you know, like they'll build a hospital because you can have the ribbon cutting in it, you know, in that neighborhood. Oh, look, we got a new hospital. Oh, that's easy to do, but say, no, we're just going to start putting up hyper-connecting plug-in stations around the province, it's a little harder to, to sell that.
0: It's not sexy. No. He is Joel McLeod, Joel McLeod. Where can you find, where can people find you in the 905-er?
1: Right now, uh, go to 905-er.ca. That's the best place. Um, I normally, I would have said like Facebook and Instagram, but I have no idea how long that's going to be. so. Right now, go visit us 905 every episode that we've got is up there. Plus a few other articles and, and pieces that we, we, and other contributors have written, uh, over the years.
0: It's been a treat, my friend. Thanks for doing this, buddy.
1: Thank you for having me and, uh, keep up the good work. This is fun. I, I, I would never turn down a chance to talk about myself.
0: Awesome <laughs> the cloud again of the 905 podcast. Uh, I couldn't help, but think as I was recording my introduction, why is it always different? And it's always different because it depends on my mood. (laughs) Am I feeling silly? Am I tired? Am I burnt out? Did I have a long week? Whatever the case is, it affects my intro outro. I try to set all that shit aside uh, for my conversation with my guest. I have to give them 100% of my attention and energy. Cause that makes for a good show makes for a good guest to the whole nine yards, but for the beginning and end, this is just me and you can get a little sneak peek into how I'm feeling on a given day. Um, as you can tell right now, I'm in a decent mood cause I'm a bit chatty. Um, want to thank Dean Blundell, Crier Media, uh, you of course, be sure to subscribe, tell a friend, um, my sub stack. I got all kinds of stuff. You know where to find me. Thatnerddad.ca. You know what would be helpful? Could you tell a friend? Tell a friend about us. Tell a friend about the show. Tell a friend about this great interview you saw. Because I'll interview anyone. I will make the best of whoever comes on. I just happen to get the best guess. Uh, We'll see who I get for next week. Be well. Be safe. And as always,
1: thanks for listening. Damn. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect.